this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. So I'm going to be doing something a little different. For the first time ever, I'm going to be doing a worship series on the Lord's Prayer, specifically going week to week on a specific phrase of this prayer. And by the end, you might be begging for me to just say amen and call it done, but I hope that you will leave with a renewed sense of the power of this prayer. So here goes. A Republican and a Democrat politician were coming at each other. That's right, I'm starting out with a political joke. Everybody buckle up. So a Republican and a Democrat are fighting. And the Republican says to the Democrat, you don't care a thing about the Christian faith. And the Democrat says, I am insulted by that notion. I resent that. I am a Christian. And the Republican says, oh yeah, I'll prove it. I bet you can't even recite the Lord's Prayer right now. I'll give you $100 if you can say the Lord's Prayer. And the Democrat says, you're wrong. Now I lay me down to seat. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And the Republican says, well, buddy, here's your $100. You got me. I tell you that silly joke because we say the Lord's Prayer every single week. You've probably learned this prayer as a child. The words just probably flow off your lips right now. But do you actually really take time to hear what you are saying, to let the words soak in and transform you, to let them truly be a prayer. When we pray any prayer, we are asking God to change our hearts, to make our lives more attuned to God's will for our lives. And I think if you actually listen closely to these words in the Lord's Prayer, you will see just how powerful and radical and inspiring these words are that Jesus teaches us. We know that Jesus prayed a lot. There are plenty of examples in the Gospels of Jesus praying. And sometimes he went alone to pray. And only once, only once does Jesus say in the Gospels, pray like this. Only one time does Jesus offer us this prayer. And there are two examples of the Lord's Prayer in the Gospels. Some traditions call it the Our Father Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 2, and Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. In fact, I invite you, if you have your Bibles with you today, you can read both and compare how each of the variations slightly of where they are in the Gospels, too, is interesting. It's Luke chapter 11, verse 2, and Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. In Matthew 6... The Lord's Prayer comes to us as part of the Sermon on the Mount, the teaching discourse from Jesus. And Jesus also offers some 
moments about prayer. He, he mentions things about don't uh, pray in public for show. Don't use lofty, fancy words for show. Uh, pray like this. And, in, uh, and then in Luke 11, it begins with the disciples asking Jesus to teach them to pray. Teach us to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be revered as holy. Or as we say it, because of tradition and using the King James Version, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now it's good to remember for just a moment that Jesus did not speak the king's English. He spoke Aramaic. And the New Testament is largely written in Greek. And I'm going to save the King James history lesson for another time. But today I wanted to focus on that very first phrase. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father in heaven, may your name be revered as holy. Notice first that Jesus says, our Father, not my Father, our Father who art in heaven. This is important. Even when we pray this prayer alone, we still say our Father. From the very first word, I think he is teaching us to take notice in a world that says, it's my, my, mine, and me, 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 Jesus is saying, it's us. It's our. He's teaching us to offer this prayer for the world. The Christian faith has always been meant to be lived out in community. That's why being a part of a church is so important. We are the body of Christ. And this prayer, from the very first word, our us, the God of all people, brothers and sisters, our Father. He belongs to all of us. As one of the authors I read for this series pointed out, sharing the same Father makes you family. From the very first word, Jesus is teaching us here, our Father who art in heaven. And I'm mindful that for some of us today, it is not a stretch at all to imagine a loving, caring, heavenly Father because we in our own lives have had loving and caring earthly fathers. Fathers who have shown us glimpses of what a holy Father might be like because we have seen it in his unconditional love so we can Easily imagine a God our Father. But for some of us, the image of a heavenly Father does the opposite because of our own experiences. Rejection, abandonment, abuse, violence, a whole host of other things that may, for you, make the idea of a heavenly Father seem anything but good or holy. And first... Let me say today, if that is you, if that's part of your story, then I hope you hear a word of compassion from me this morning. Too often the church has overlooked or brushed over the reality that not everyone has had loving experiences with their earthly father. So sometimes calling God father may, for you, 
be a way towards healing, towards reclaiming that word, to speak of God the Father in a way that reminds you of how the God the Father that you have is everything that your earthly father was not. And it might bring healing. But for some, it also might bring pain. And I shouldn't skip that today. And if that happens to be you, I hope you don't forget that Scripture shows us many words for God. God is not defined by one male image. There are examples of God mothering and mothering and being a mother in Scripture. Just one example I'll offer today from Isaiah 66. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. There are many words for God in Scripture, so many varieties, creator being one that doesn't define any specific gender. Church is supposed to be a place of healing. And if for some reason in your life you need to reach for a different biblical word here, your pastor says do it. I have known people who have used different words for a season or longer I believe there's a wideness in God's mercy as the song goes, and there's a wideness in words and scripture, and I hope you hear that today. But I do want to say one more thing about the meaningfulness of God our Father, and it comes from Pope Francis, and he wrote a book on the Lord's Prayer, and in it he notes that when we address God as our Father, we are invited to remember that regardless of whether our human fathers loved us deeply or abandoned us entirely, whether our fathers died or were simply absentee, we are not orphans. We belong. You belong to somebody. Our Father in heaven, you belong to somebody. And I want to spend the rest of the time talking about this last part of the phrase this morning, hallowed be thy name. It's the first request or petition in the prayer. We are asking God to act, to make hollow your name. Hallowed isn't exactly a word we use a lot these days. You might hear someone say it's hallowed ground or um, think of Halloween, All Hallows Eve, which we call All Saints Day. To be hallowed is to be holy, sacred. The Jewish prayer, known as the Kaddish, certainly was, had forms of it in existence during Jesus' lifetime, and he would have known this prayer well. And the words of this prayer says, May his great name be hallowed in the world which he created. There's that word again, hallowed. The Latin word for hallowed is sanctus, sanctified, to be holy, sacred, set apart, hallowed be your name. When we pray, hallowed be your name, we are praying that God might use us to make God's name holy. One of the books I read for this series by Adam Hamilton on the Lord's Prayer, he writes, when we hallow God's name in our praise, in the honor we show God, but perhaps preeminently, we hollow God's name by living in a way that reflects God's goodness, majesty, beauty, and love. All creation is meant to hollow God's name, to bring God glory and honor. It certainly reminds me of the third commandment, do not use the Lord your God's name in vain. That commandment 
reminds us that we should not pretend that God's name has no significance. We can lift God's name up or we can denigrate it. We can make God's name holy with our lives or we can denigrate it. Hollow be your name. We are praying to make God's name holy in our lives, in us, through us. It begs the question for all of us, do people see God in us, in our lives, in this community of faith? Do people see God in us, in the words we speak to others, in the social media messages we post, in our work? Do people see God in us? Does our family see God in us, in how we live each and every day? Do we hollow God's name? One of my favorite little quotes is that your life might be the only Bible someone ever reads. Hollow God's name. Make it holy. You know, years ago, back in Tennessee, I was on the Housing Authority Board, and our church had a, a, a significant ministry there called Kids Cafe that met at the Housing Authority, and Kids Cafe was a free meal and homework help. And so I thought it was a good way for me to serve and help the housing authority since they were helping this ministry. And one time I was sitting next to someone who was new on the board and she was a resident at the housing authority that lived in the senior living community. And we were just making conversation, getting to know one another. And I told her I was a pastor and she said, what church? And I said, First Christian Church, same name. And she said, well, where is that church? And I said, it's right downtown. And she said, oh, are you all the church that gives out the baskets of food at Christmas time? And I said, yeah, that's us. And she said, oh my gosh, I get a basket every year. It makes such a difference to me every Christmas. Thank you for doing that. And I, was, I said, I'm so glad to hear that. And then she rattled off a few people. She, said, she named a few names. And she said, I met them at Kids Cafe, because when my grandkids are with me, I bring them to Kids Cafe to eat. And she said, do they all go to your church? And I said, yeah, they do. They're great people. And she said, you know what? I told myself that I would never walk through the doors of a church again. But you all make me think I might give it another chance. What time does your worship start? And that very day, I went back and I wrote down that conversation because I didn't want to forget it. Because the thing is, it wasn't our website or our social media or our great sign out front. It wasn't the beautiful sanctuary with the stained glass windows and the beautiful music and the witty pastor who laughed at all her own jokes during the message. It was none of that. It was none of that. She had experienced the people who had hollowed God's name. She had experienced it. She'd glimpsed it. She'd seen it. She'd even tasted it. And it made her want to know more. What is this church? Hollowed be your name. Hollowed be your name. I plan to close each Sunday in this series with a prayer, but this week... I asked Bill if he would help me sing our prayer today as we close this time together. So let's this song be your prayer.